Welcome to the Female Athlete Mentor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to encouraging continued conversation to help female athletes in their sport journeys. We will tackle tough topics head-on, like mental health, injury comebacks, leadership, friendship, and much more. Thank you for joining us. We're here with uh, Kate LaBelle. Kate is a good friend of mine. Uh, we worked together um, at U.S. Lacrosse for a good while, and then we have both. Uh, actually, are you still doing stuff with coach development? Uh, occasionally, when I can fit it in. Okay. So she is a lacrosse coach, former lacrosse player, grew up in the Baltimore area, um, currently lives in Minnesota with um, her family. <laughs> Uh, Kate is uh, an author. What is it? How many books do you have now? One or two? Um, I have two. What are the names of them? Um, <laughs> let me remember what they are. Um, the, the Coach's Emergency Practice Guide is my first one, and that is lacrosse specific, um, really for girls lacrosse of all levels to help coaches out um, when they're on their way to practice in, in panic mode. Uh, gives them all, all the stuff they can work on and development wise and all that. And then um, Confessions of an Imperfect Coach is all about my transformation that I made as a coach. Gotcha. Awesome. And they're both available on like Amazon, correct? Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble. Cool. All right. And then you most recently were at Adams, is it Adams State? It is Adams State. Yep. And, and that's out in Colorado, correct? That is down in all the way out in Alamosa, Colorado, almost New Mexico. <laughs> and you were the head women's lacrosse coach there. Yeah. And have made your way back to Minnesota, and I'll ask you what you're doing in a second. But you, you work pretty closely with Young Gordon on a lot of, like, leadership. Now you're, uh, you're like, able to go out and do facilitate others becoming trainers. Is that right, or am I making that up? No, that is that is correct. I've been working with John on um, his new program, and I've I've been working with him for a number of years on all of his content. But lately, um, more specifically, we've been focusing focusing on creating workshops for the Power Positive Leadership um, program and the Power Positive Teams program, and that is really taking off. Um, getting, and I'm focusing on specifically on the um, collegiate, high school, um, and club world. Um, whereas we have another trainer that kind of focuses on the corporate business. We all kind of do it all, but. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that's exciting stuff. I know I need to get to one of your workshops and it was unfortunate that one didn't work out. Um, but cool. So, and then, so basically what's taking up most of your time right now? Are you coaching back in Minnesota or have you kind of taken some time away from that? I am still coaching. Um, I'm coaching high school right now, which after coming out of a Division II program seems very, very small um, because it's only a couple hours a day, and it, um, the Minnesota season is very short because it snows, uh, you know, what, 11 months out of the year. So um, it's only about eight weeks long. So I just finished up a season. I'll do a little bit of travel, but I'm trying to focus. My daughter is a rising junior in high school. And I really want to focus on spending those two years enjoying my last kid moving through sports and getting to see her game. Yes, I'm doing some travel just mostly to watch my daughter play and finish out her last two years of high school and a little bit of coaching here and there. But my main focus is on enjoying her playing. Cool. Very cool. Um, so, and then she's a goalkeeper, right? She is. Yes. Yeah. And she wants to play in college? She absolutely wants to play in college. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've always loved all the stuff that you uh, do with your teams and leadership and just creating the culture 
Um, and a lot of that comes out through like what you do on social media. Um, and I think, you know, you've got a lot, uh, a lot of cool stuff that I think we can talk about here. What do you think the most uh, challenging aspect of coaching young women is? I think um, the fact that women in general, and I hate to make blanket statements, but just in general, I think um, really rely on connection and relationships and um, not, not that, that coaching boys is, you know, they don't feel that, but I know that especially when I'm coaching women, it's really important that culture piece. Um, and, and there can be a lot of misreading and especially coaching girls and women today because we don't relate as well as we used to because we've gotten so digital. And I think that the biggest challenge is just finding real connections and getting through. I think that, that we tend to make a lot of assumptions and, and, and lose those connections that we need, but I'm not sure if you caught this part or not, but what I was saying is that I think that it can be one of the greatest challenges, but when you learn how to manage it, it can become the greatest asset because when you learn how to connect the players and use those relationships, it is an unbreakable bond. And so harnessing that power is so important. And one of the reasons why I go and talk to coaches about um, positive leadership because I'm a competitive person and I like to win and I know that most coaches are as well. And so we tend to separate that positivity and the culture and the connections and all of that from, um, from the winning. And then you have to realize that they, they are one and the same and they have to come together. You can have a winning team unless you've got a positive culture and bonding between the team. I think you can. I don't think you can sustain it. Gotcha. Based on just pure talent. You just, especially yeah. I think you can achieve it. I think you can go in for one season and create something amazing. And then I think it can fall apart. And I might be basing that on my own experience. <laughs> I feel like we, there might be many who agree with you on that one. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right, so what are, what are some of the ways you teach positivity, uh, either directly or indirectly, within a team setting? Um, you know, I think it's really important that, that it is a focus. It has to be something that is talked about and that's focused on and that is present in the decisions that are made and present in the conflicts that come up because you can't just tell people to be positive or they get the idea that you want them to just be happy so that they don't annoy you. You know, you kind of get this whole like, you know, when, when someone tells you, oh, you, you're just being negative and complaining and they basically just want you to be quiet. Um, we don't want our players to, to feel like that. We don't want people on the team that we're playing with to feel like that. So yes, we're acknowledging that there's issues and that things may be unpleasant and we may be unhappy. So it's not a forced positivity, but it's all about, yes, we're acknowledging where we are, but we all truly believe that where we're going is going to be, make us better. And we're going to like where we're going and we get to decide where we're going. And so everything that comes up, we have to refocus in on how do we get to the vision that we've created that's in, in our future. Cool. So can you talk about, uh, in, like, do you have one particular instance that kind of you, somebody was unhappy. And so instead of kind of stifling them, they just be happy and, you know, be positive. How did, you know, you have a heart, like a concrete example of how you dealt with it and, you know, what were the pre circumstances and then what was it like afterwards? So I've never had anyone unhappy on my teams. <laughs> <laughs> <You're so awesome. laughs> 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I should think of so many. Let me pick one. Um, you know what? And I'm going to use a parent example because so I had a player on one of my teams that was she wasn't getting the playing time and I was really kind of getting on her because she wasn't giving me her her best effort and her attitude was a little bit off and it was holding her back. And all that the mom could see is that her daughter was coming home upset from her high school practice and that she, you know, was getting angry. You know, the daughter was angry with me because I was kind of pushing her. And so her kind of view of the whole situation was very negative and the daughter's view is very negative. But what I was doing was, was actually very positive and I have this open door policy and I've, I've adopted this like five years ago where parents are allowed to talk to me about anything they want to, which terrifies most people. Um, I would way, way rather they talk to me than talk to each other and make something up. Yep. So I open my door and I say, let me explain it because I don't want to have an army growing, you know, behind my closed door. So um, what I did was I spoke with the parent and it, the conversation was very tense and very difficult for probably the first five minutes. And then it just spun because the parent realized that my motivation was to make her daughter better and to make her happy. And when she realized what my intentions were, and then I was able to explain the path that were going on, she said, yeah, you know what? I've seen that at home as well. We've been working on this also. And she realized that we're both trying to give her daughter the same thing. Um, and we brought the daughter into the conversation. And when she realized that her parents wanted the best for her and that I wanted the best for her and that we had a plan and that we were going somewhere, and then she could see the vision of what her future was going to look like, um, all of a sudden, everybody was, was on board. And it was an extremely difficult conversation that I think a lot of coaches would have shut down. Um, it, and that, it just turned, they ended up being my biggest allies. I still talk to them and I coached them in high school, you know, years ago. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I think open lines of communication and then, you know, when the parents see that you have the best interests, you know, of their child uh, at play, then, you know, they can certainly get on board. Now, what's her story? Did she end up getting more playing time? Yeah, and it's not that she was necessarily getting playing time. It was that when she was our teammates, she was getting pulled. And she was used to being able to just call the shots gotcha. um, on the field with the previous coach. So this was a little more structure and a little more accountability than she was used to. And it was uncomfortable until she realized what the vision was. Yeah. And so, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit because, um, I mean, I feel like, you know, based on like life circumstances, you've kind of um, had to take, you know, a few turns in your coaching career, just, you know, based on you had to move here, you had to move there. So you've had a couple of new teams you know, as of late, how do you go in and, and establish your culture right away? What do you do? I mean, do you just kind of see what the culture is and then where you want to change it or do you know what you want your culture to be? Um, and then you just, you know, drive your path there. Yeah, I, I definitely know what I want my culture not to be. <laughs> not that that's going to be my focus, but um, it's my reminder of why I do this. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, I definitely have a picture in my mind and it can really look like a lot of things, but as long as everybody is going, you know, as, as John always says, getting on the same bus, um, you know, or on the same train tracks, we're all going to the same vision, then then I'm I'm happy. So the first thing that I do is a little bit different than I think what most coaches do at the beginning, just from watching my kids play and some other coaches. And a lot of times they go in right away and say, here's my rules. 
boom, you know, here's my expectations. Here's what I'm not going to allow. Here's, and so you put yourself up on this pedestal and you, you draw this line or you build a wall. And then, and then afterwards, at the end of the conversation, you're, you, they say things like, we're going to be a family, you know, we're going to be connected. And we're like, well, you just basically told us we had to follow all your rules, you know, and you kind of built this big wall and told us how horrible it was going to be. And then now you're telling us. So they end up leaving kind of like, okay. And so I figure you have an entire season to instill rules. Um, I much prefer to teach um, principles and we follow the principles. And so because, you know, otherwise you have to have a million rules because there's so many different situations that can come up. So my first thing that I tell every single team, and I, I've said this in front of players and they go, yep, <laughs> um, is always, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to say the wrong thing and you're going to get offended and I'm going to make the wrong choice and I might forget to sub somebody in. And I am asking you as I come here to coach you and lead you to allow me to be human. And in return, I am going to do the same for you. That means you're going to show up and you're going to, you know, make mistakes and that sort of thing. And I'm going to allow that to happen and I still accept you and care about you as long as it's a two way street. On the flip side of that, I promise you that I'm going to bring my intention of being the best coach that I can possibly be, and I'm asking you to do the same. And so that's the page that we kind of start on. And then I say, here's the principles that are important to me. What are the principles that are important to you with a team? And then we take that and we design a core. And um, the core might be, you know, I want to feel respected when I come in. Okay, what does that look like? Let's, let's write that down. Um, I want to feel like people really want to get better. Okay, what does that look like? How can you hold yourself accountable to that? Let's write that down. And so we break down what it looks like, and then we reverse engineer the vision. So we have a vision. We have steps to get to the vision. And um, that just kind of builds the culture. And then we're constantly, when we see something that's not in line with the vision, then we meet and we talk and we say, how do we correct this? How do we get back on path? And does this fit our vision? Or do we need to change the vision? So it's, it's a very fluid kind of constant thing. So is the vision, you know, the end result of the season or is the vision more like we don't really care about wins and losses or is that included in that? I think, you know, I think a big mistake is to look at your team and say, I don't care about wins and losses because nobody believes that. <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, no, nobody knows you're not going to win at all. Okay. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, you're not going to win at all. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, what I was saying is that, that only, only one team ends the season on a win. And so your gauge of success is, you know, that you leave and you feel like you, you know, you conquered this, the national tournament or the state tournament or, or whatever it is that you're playing, then, you know, 99% of teams have failed. Okay. Um, so if only one team ends on a win, then, that, you know, 99% of the other teams are are leaving disappointed. And so the vision has got to be, what do we want to have gotten out of it? Okay, so 99% so of the teams are going to end on a, a loss, right? Because you only have that one person that wins that championship game. And so if the measure of success is the win, then all of those teams have kind of tried for nothing. It's, a lot, it's hard to get psyched up for the next season after that. So the vision has got to be bigger than that. And I think when and anything that's uncontrollable because really you can have a fantastic season and then have three people blow out an ACL 
mm-hmm. right before a championship game. And that doesn't mean that your season wasn't a success. It's just, um, but it might mean that you, you can't win uh, if you get to that point. So I think the vision really has to be, what do you want to get out of this experience? And they have to know what that is. They want to know how they feel at the end of the season. And um, there, it's just, it's got to be an all-encompassing vision uh, that really includes everything. Gotcha. And like, just an example of a vision would be like, what, outside of the wins and the losses? Yeah, I think the vision has got to be that uh, when they get when they get to the end of the season or while they're going through the season, and it's really, you know, it's hard for me to define it because every team has to define it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's going to be, you know, I've never had a really connected team. I want to feel like our team is all in together and that we support each other, and I want to feel like this is a safe place. Um, division might be that everyone feels like they contribute and have value. Um, and the vision might be that they feel like everybody is really invested in getting better and improving and helping each other to improve. And then kind of breaking that down. What does that look like? Well, it might look like people are staying after practices or getting together, um, you know, outside of practice to help with skills. So instead of having that one player that gets annoyed at the other player that can't like in lacrosse, you might have a player that says, I can never throw it to this person because they never catch it anyway. So instead of complaining, getting frustrated and making a divide, what if that person approached the other player and said, you know, I see you're struggling with this. And I, I feel like that's one of my strengths. I would love to help you. Let's meet after practice. You know, that's a different vision of what your team looks like, but you have to build that in order to get the buy-in. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, is that something that you would do, um, I think, um, you know, in terms of teaching young women how to be positive leaders? Is that something that you kind of put on them, like, to kind of approach some of their teammates and help them out? And what, what are some things that you do to kind of instill positive leadership amongst your team? I think I really put, you know, a, literally I coach them through it. So rather than doing it for them or assigning it, I'm talking to them about, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll come to me and have a specific issue with a person so-and-so doesn't try so-and-so thinks this is a joke or is partying on the weekends and I'm like well what do you think we can do to help that person and then we come up with a plan together and I coach them through how they can you know make it better and if if they're not coming to me um, which I invite all the time and I have one-on-one meetings and I try to you know eventually usually that stuff comes out as long as you open the door enough times but if it's not then I'll bring the person in and say look I know you're having you know some issues what you look you look frustrated what, what's going on and and then we just talk them through it so I, I try not to dictate it um, or assign it and be like okay you guys are now going to help the weakest person you know <laughs> like try not to make it you know a task um, but I make it, uh, again, principles. It all comes back to principles. We decided we wanted to be connected. We decided we wanted to lift each other up. What does that look like? Are we doing that? Can we be better? How are we doing on encouraging each other on a scale of one to 10? How can we make it a 10? You know, what can we do to get there? Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you just banged out two of my questions for you. And what? Positive yeah. negative experience. There we go. Killing <laughs> it. All right. So, okay. sure. so, I mean, I know that you've had you know some ups and downs and seasons. We all do as coaches. But um, describe like the best culture you've seen within one of your teams. What do you think got you there, and how did that team perform? Um, that one, you know, I've had varying degrees of successful cultures. 
from, you know, from the time that I really changed my approach back in um, like 2014. And um, I've, I've really, I've never had one as good as that one. And I think it was, I don't know if it's that it was that much better or if it's that um, it was so different compared to the season before it, that will, that nothing can really match it. I think that's really more what it was. It was such a huge transformation. And that is what my confessions of an imperfect coach is really based on. And that was the season where um, I had left the team with a very toxic culture and I really tried everything I could think of and nothing was working. And I, um, I thought I was pretty positive, but I was really focused on, on the sport aspect with culture being kind of a side issue. And if they were small issues, I swept them under the rug and I would, I would wait until they were really kind of big in my face to, to do anything. And it just imploded um, because there was so much under the surface that I didn't know what was going on. I was big on the closed door. Don't talk to me about playing time. I don't want to hear from parents. You know, I just kind of like closed my eyes to all of that and it, it bit me in the end. So that next season I took on a new team and I actually, this is when I met John Gordon and um, as fate would have it, I was coming back from a uh, U.S. lacrosse clinic that I had been teaching and uh, walked past him in the airport, and he saw my lacrosse gear and stopped me because he played at uh, he played lacrosse at Cornell. He's a big lacrosse guy, and um, uh, which is kind of cool because my dad played at Cornell also. A little aside there, um, but he said, "Yeah, I wrote some books," and I was like, "That's nice. I don't know who this guy is," but uh, he said he wanted to send me some, and he, you know, um, he was true to his word. He sent me several of his books, and that was the first time my eyes were open to the fact that positivity wasn't a rah, rah, Hey, everybody pretend things are good and put on a happy face. Um, it was, it was all future based. It was all about, yeah, things are rough, but this is how we're going to get there. And it was um, the switch of tough love to love tough. So originally it was you push them and then you give them a little bit of love at the end. Yep. Um, and the problem with that is that if they don't trust you, if they don't know that you're doing this for their own good, if they don't know that you, um, you are safe, like I'm going to push you, but I will never push you to a place that will injure you. I'm never going to push you to a place where, um, you know, something bad is going to happen. You know, I'm going to push you to a place that's good, that's better for you. Yep. And um, so if you don't put the love first, then you don't have the trust. They don't have the trust. They're not going to let you push them as far. In fact, they might even push back. So that was a great introduction for me about you build the relationships first. Um, and what's the old advice that everybody gets and still sometimes gets is, oh, you know, you're a new coach on day one. You got to go hard. You got to be super strict because they'll walk all over you. You can't go backwards, right? Everybody gives that, that advice to new coaches. And that's the worst thing you can do. You build a wall. You know, they're not going to walk all over you because you're nice. They're going to walk all over you because you don't have any principles or convictions and you're flopping all over the place on, on what you believe. Right. So it's, you know, it's not about being nice. There's nothing wrong with being kind to your players and, and forming a relationship and, and, and saying, Hey, you know what? I love you guys. I care about you guys. You guys are important to me. And then showing them that. So, um, and and you think because I, I honestly think um, I think where a lot of coaches go wrong, specifically with women, is that we try to coach without building relationships within the team, within our players, and I just don't think that it's possible because like, we're just so emotionally connected to things that yeah yeah we are relational, and the funny thing is. Um, 
if there's a void somewhere, it's going to get filled. And it's not going to, you know, you can either choose what it gets filled with or not. Right. So if you're not going to form a relationship, they're going to fill in whatever information suits their narrative, suits the things that they know based on the authority they've had before, suits, you know, whatever they've seen of you. And that may not be accurate, you know, in the small pieces they've seen. So it's really important that we, we fill that space. Um, so that season that I had, that was, that was so amazing and so connected. Um, that was the first season that I came in and I actually went completely the other way. Um, I had come from a team that was winning every single game. We were, we were like making the paper every week. They, everyone was so excited about what we were doing. And then we, you know, this, the team went to state for the first time ever in the history. Nobody in the South Southern part of the state had ever even, you know, been able to compete at that level. And it was unbelievable. And the biggest change, um, you know, well, it was the problem was at the end of the season, we were winning and people on the bench were crying because they didn't feel like they were contributing. They didn't feel like they had value. The people on the field were having a good time, but they were winning. They were also a little bit stressed out and exhausted because they were carrying everything. And it just, it wasn't a good fit. We didn't work on culture. So the next year I said, I hate losing. Okay. I will tell you right now, I do not like to lose. Um, I hold it together, but on the inside, I'm a very sore loser. Um, so I don't, I don't like losing. Um, but I just finally said, I hate bad culture more. I hate watching my players like leave and, and feel lost and feel like they didn't contribute. And, um, I was willing to do anything to avoid that from happening again. So I went into it and said, I'm going to 100% focus on lifting people up, encouraging them, telling them how they can improve instead of where they're going wrong. And so I didn't focus on mistakes. I focused on corrections. And I guess kind of the difference of that is, you know, when you tell someone that they're doing it wrong versus telling them, you know, the positive uh, correction. And it's not just telling them that. It's saying, I know you can do this. I've seen you do this better. Right. Rather than constantly telling them, hey, you did that, you know, you did it again. You know, you got to fix that. So I just changed the way that I corrected and I, I let go. Um, I let go of, you know, at the time these were high school kids. Uh, they couldn't make it because to practice because they had an academic thing and they couldn't make it because they had a family thing. And whereas I used to have all these rules, like you miss practice, you don't play or, you know, whatever. I let that go. And I said, we're going to play the best we can with what we have available. Right. And I'm going to trust that if they can't come, it's something really important. And because they had that trust, they all came to practice. Yep. Yep. You know, it was, it was amazing. So the team that I took had, you know, a relatively low ranking in the state and we spent the whole, the whole season focusing on being positive and we still learned how to play lacrosse, but um, there's a lot of culture, a lot of bonding, a lot of building relationships. And we got to the end of the season and um, because I was so focused on that, it didn't even occur to me until I pulled up our record and we were undefeated. We had gone the entire season. We lost our first game in overtime, but we were actually down by, um, I think, seven goals, six or seven goals. And then we came back. And that was our first game. So we had just started. And then we never lost again. And then we played that same team that we lost to in overtime in playoffs. And we beat them 26 to four. Oh, gosh. See? And then we went to the state tournament. And at the end of the season, I had several players and their parents write me these letters that said that they had just, the experience in lacrosse had changed their life. 
awesome. and change their confidence and change what they've decided to do with their lives. And it was like, it was, and I liked coaching. It was the first time I wasn't stressed out and miserable by the end of the season. Cause usually at the end of the season, you need a vacation, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I always would get sick at the end of the season, the season, like, you know, cause it's, it's and, I, and I think the, the sport itself, you always think, oh my gosh, do I know enough about the sport? The X's knows that is the easy stuff. It's the other stuff that is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny because people see positivity as weak and I will tell you any, any day that it is a lot easier to be upset and to express being upset because it makes you feel better immediately than it is to be upset and be frustrated and to turn it around and say something kind. That is not weak. It is so much harder to be positive than it is to be negative. And so anybody can yell at somebody when they're mad. Not everybody can stop, think about what this person needs to hear right now to be better and rephrase it. And I work on that with my players all the time. You know, what you're saying may be true to your teammate and they may need to, you may need to address the issue, but you need to address it in a way that makes them feel better and them be better and not have it be about you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that, and I think that, you know, in coaching, sometimes it is about the coach. <laughs> sometimes and it's hard to be very selfless in that until you grow as a coach and you start to be like, this is not about yeah. And their and, yeah, and that's the pedestal that that we put ourselves on from the very beginning when we walk in and say, "Here are my expectations and here are my rules," and it carries all the way through to the end, where you feel entitled as a coach to yell at somebody instead of coach them, which is your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, and I think you know that's kind of you know we've got coaches listening to this, and I'm sure you know we all take an inward look sometimes, but I mean that's it's pretty. It, it's changing in terms of like how you would look at, you know, coaching, you know, which, yeah. you know, you know, cause we, I think we all kind of go in with rules, <laughs> like these are my rules, but you know, and, and I think the one thing that you can do is, you know, instill passion in your players. And I think you do it, you know, very well by, by saying like, I'm not perfect. Um, and I don't expect you to be perfect, which I think is awesome. And I think a lot of coaches can learn from that. Um, Favorite team bonding exercise that you do, or do you not do that because of the way you kind of set things up with culture already, or do you have stuff that you do with your team? I do. I love little fun activities, um, and I think I think that they love them, and it's um, all the way through. I don't care how old they are, because I hear a lot of coaches saying, like, well, that's great for the little kids, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. I, you can take any level college player and tie balloons on their ankles and tell them to stomp each other's balloons out. And they're not gonna be like, Oh, this is dumb kids game. I mean, they're like, yes, you know, I mean, they, they want to play. They want to feel good. And it's hard to say something nice about somebody to their face because we're not good at that. Right. So my favorite activity is I take strips of paper if you want to make this easy, you put everybody's name um, in a list on a piece of paper with a few spaces in between and just print them out. And then you can cut them out or have them cut them out. Or um, if you're lucky enough to have like a, an intern, <laughs> make them cut them out. But basically what you're getting is um, each player gets, uh, if you have 24 players, you get 24 strips of paper and each strip has the name of a teammate on it. Um, and you can do it where they get their own too. I kind of like that one. So on each strip, they're going to write something nice or not something nice. I want to say they write 
why is this person valuable to you on the team? Why are you thankful this person's on the team with you? What do they bring to the team? So that's kind of what the theme you're thinking about. And I like when you leave your own name in because we don't talk nicely to ourselves very often either. No. Especially with females. So you write something nice about yourself and you stick it in your cup. So basically you're writing on these and then I have, um, you know, I'll go to the dollar store. Dollar store is my best friend. Um, I'll go in there and I'll buy a bunch of cups and I'll take a Sharpie and write, uh, you know, their names so they each have a cup. And so after they finish, they go up front and they shove, you know, the pieces of paper into the cup for the coordinating person. And then at the end, everybody leaves with a cup full of encouragement. And we've done this before um, really big games. We've done it when the team just needed to be lifted up or, you know, after a hard game. But it's a, it's a really amazing activity. And to sit there and just pull out strip after strip of someone telling you why you add value to the team. Um, just really reinforce. And they're not signed. You don't know who wrote what. You just know that you, your team loves you. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to use it. Although I have, I'll have like six-year-olds next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did change the cups um last year to to ziploc bags because one year we walked outside and a big gust of wind <laughs> um foiled my plans and we were chasing strips so um yeah ziploc bags are also good <laughs> that's a good idea um, all right. Well, and so, you know, obviously you're going to be hanging out, you know, uh, doing some stuff on the side while Meredith is in her last season. Uh, you're planning on going back to the college game or what's your long-term vision in terms of coaching? Because obviously you should not get out of the game because we need more women coaches and we need more women like you still coaching. Yeah, I I love coaching and I really enjoyed it at the college level because the amount of interaction you get with the players is just so much more. And the high school season is so short and you have very limited time and building relationships when you have, you know, sometimes an hour, hour and a half practice, um, you know, and especially at where, where I am in Minnesota, we have three, four games a week in our whirlwind eight week practice so or eight week season. So um, I would love to get back in the college game. I, I definitely um, need to spend some time with my family over the next two years. And then after that, my goal is, um, as much as I love Minnesota winners, um, <laughs> not being from Minnesota, uh, I am, you know, looking to go settle down somewhere and, and find a, a nice coaching gig. But I think that writing and speaking is still going to be on my main, my main forefront. Um, I can affect the game with with athletes but I feel like when I get a room full of 200 coaches and I'm talking about how they can affect their teams um, the rate of change is so much greater and there's so many coaches that want to do it right but don't know how it's yeah. you know it's not lack of want I think it's a lot of it's a lack of knowledge and I was one of those coaches and I you know I want to pay this forward yeah no that I mean and it's true you know we talk about that in coaching education so you, you have your team and obviously you're going to be affecting those players, but you start teaching the coaches what you know, and then you're multiplying your impact, like you just said. So, I mean, that's, that's powerful stuff. And then obviously with writing, and we were talking about, right, what were we going to write a book about? I forget. <laughs> so I. many. There were so many books. I think it was being um, a youth sports parent, how to support your kids as a youth sports parent instead of driving them out of the sport. Because yeah. I think, again, well-intentioned parents, who are being fed a lot of information from a lot of different angles. And, and I have fallen into the trap. I've, 
I've tried to sign my kids up for stuff. And then halfway through, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got duped. And then I stopped myself um, because I think, oh, they're not going to get the same opportunities uh, as everyone else if they don't sign up for X, Y, and Z. And my kids do not play year round um, lacrosse because I'm like on the inside, I know better, you know, if they don't want to, if they want to do great, but they don't want to. So, cause Meredith plays basketball, right? Yeah, she played basketball and soccer. Um, and, and now basically she does lacrosse in the summer and in the spring, and then she does weightlifting and mobility, um, the rest of the year. So she's focusing on getting her body strong and preventing injury, which is so important um, in the off season. And then she'll play in a tournament here or there, but it's really important. She, you know, we found out she had all these muscle imbalances because she wasn't training mobility and, and functional movement. So that's a priority now. And then she does her lacrosse playing um, just for half the year. That's awesome. Well, listen, uh, Brian and I thank you for hopping on on a Sunday with us and I know that you wiped out earlier on a trail run <laughs> so whatever you're recovering from I appreciate you giving us about an hour or so of your time and uh, you know I'm looking forward to continue watching what you're doing and I, and I think you know you do some really awesome stuff and you've had a lot of impact and um, you know people are lucky when they get to work with you I, I, I feel feel lucky to have worked with you for so long and to call you a friend and um you know i'm excited to see what what you continue to do and how many more books you write and where you go from here but thank you so much for being on kate okay?